we just talk? Can we just talk? Talk about where we're going before we get lost. Welcome back to hour two of the WRSU Friday crew. My name is Kayor Palan, and I'm joined alongside Ronnie Walenta, Doug Willig, Christian Vasquez, and Jared Blatt-Ice. Guys, it's um, another one of those favorite segments of the crew where we kind of take a break from everything and we just talk. Um, and this week, we had a special request from Mr. Doug Willig himself. Doug, you want to lead us off in this segment? Sure. Uh, Ali, can we just talk this week? Oh, I was just thinking, and, and I'll make my little spiel here. It, we're coming up on one year, really, since kind of COVID and like sports really shut down the United States, right? We know COVID started December 2019, but it didn't really... It might have hit the U.S. a little after that, but when we really started feeling the effects of that, you know, we were feeling, I mean, I was hearing rumblings, you know, early March, you know, about it's going to be one of these things that kind of passed over. And then on March 11th, you know, last year, this is coming up on almost one year, you know, March 11th is going to be in a couple of weeks, you know, the NBA shut down the season. And that was, okay, or you mentioned earlier, Rudy Gobert tested positive. And then it, it kind of came out after him that a few other players tested positive as well. But once it came out that he tested positive, that Jazz Thunder game shut down. You know, that there's a famous of the Mario Nanny saying that due to unforeseen circumstances, you know, we got to shut this down. That shut down the NBA season. And then subsequently, the NCAA tournament got shut down. The Big Ten tournament got shut down. All the tournaments, what's funny is, a couple of days before all this started, the Ivy League tournament actually had shut down already. The Ivy League shut down their sports early. And I remember seeing Chris at the WRSU station. I said to him, you know, do the tournament too? And he said he didn't think they would. He didn't think there was any chance. chance. And I was talking to, to Baxter, who was part of WRSU last year. And we were talking about the Olympics one day on the crew. And I was maybe shut down the Olympics. And I was asking him this in February, you know, about a year ago. And he was saying, oh, no, there's no chance. There's no chance. And then, you know, sure enough, once the NBA shut down, it felt like every single major sports league followed. And we're kind of coming up on one year on this, like, huge event. Like, we haven't seen this. And really, in any capacity, sports have not been as a whole this impacted since World War II, because I know World War II, a lot went on. You know, some NFL teams had to combine. You know, at that point, like the NBA didn't exist yet, but you know, NHL, MLB were impacted as well. Since then, you know, we haven't seen an event that's kind of sports. And the NBA, like every league, has kind of taken a unique approach. You know, since this all started, the NBA shut down for four months, had the bubble, and now they're playing games with no fans this season. You know, the MLB had that six. Game season last year, and then they had that unique playoff format. The NHL had their own form as a bubble as well, similar to the NBA. You know, college sports weren't as lucky. We even saw some some leagues like the Ivy League have just shut down. FCS has been playing in the spring now instead of in the fall. You know, we still saw those FBS games in the fall, but with no fans or with limited fans. 
And sports as a whole has just been completely different in 2020 and 2020 since we've experienced in the past. And that all kind of started just about a year ago, March 11th. And we'll reach that anniversary soon. And it, it it's just a lot. And I, I know our day-to-day lives in this show from the studio only, you know, Jared and Christian, I believe, are at the studio right now while the rest of us are doing this on the Opals from home. And it's just very different. You know, we would be in the studio. We would all be on bikes doing not Sports as a whole have been different. WRSG has been different. You know, every aspect of life has been different. And we're coming up on that one-year anniversary where things really changed. Yeah, you know, I couldn't, you know, put it into better words than you just did because it's, First of all, the fact that you compared it back all the way to World War II, uh, I would say that emphasizes the importance of the situation. Um, And, you know, we've never had something like this in sports. Um, You know, for me, sports has always been that outlet to kind of get away from everything and, and, you know, at least, um, you know, dive into something where you can socialize, you can kind of break away from whatever stresses or, you know, any other personal issues that have have been going on or, you know, they can serve as a way to, for you to kind of just um, get a much needed uh, refresher or or kind of um, separate yourself from whatever else might be going on. And I think it's just interesting to see how quickly things had evolved from, you know, it's still crazy to me how it was all just kind of a year ago. Um, I mean, we've all been kind of just sitting inside here, but it's, fascinating to me how quickly everything moved once we did realize that yes there is a threat and yes there are people or you know human beings who are involved with sports organizations who are kind of going to be facing the same situation that normal people like us have faced at home um but you know there was this underlying issue of every everything kind of getting shut down and there being no sports no you know profits or no fans at stadiums anything like that there's just going to be a halt on sports and there was uh for a couple of weeks everything was kind of shut down uh and i don't think anybody kind of knew what the future held and you know once everything was kind of getting canceled it was all kind of crazy because nobody knew when you know everything would go back to normal and um to say that we're right on the cusp of going you know, back to some sort of normalcy with fans back in the stadiums. And we have all types of sports kind of taking the um, necessary precautions to to go back to a normalcy. Uh, and just within a year, like it's that's I think that's what kind of blows my mind is we're almost, you know, back to how things used to be within a year. Um, and Doug, I think this is a great way to kind of reflect on just, you know, you mentioned the anniversary of everything kind of going wrong. And um, hopefully, you know, this time, uh, whether it be, you know, I know the NCAA, uh, NCAA has said 25% fans, but we're seeing, um, you know, major sports organizations also opening them up, opening up games to uh, limited fans. But, you know, this is just a step in the right direction. I think it's it shows us a good way that, um, the world and the industry of sports can kind of, you know, be there for the people when they need them the most in a way. And they're going to do whatever it takes to kind of uh, be at the forefront of being those outlets uh, to kind of break away from stuff. But 
Um, Ronnie, what about you? What do you think about everything that has kind of, you know, gone on in uh, COVID and just sports in general and how, I guess, the culture of sports has kind of changed a little bit, huh? Yeah, I mean, it's a phenomenal topic, um, just to say that first. Uh, you know, it's, it's one that, again, it requires a lot of reflection. It requires um, a lot of thought into exactly how it all went down. Um, it, it was really interesting that I felt like sports really were was at the forefront of, of everything really stopping, as you guys have both mentioned, um, with the Utah Jazz and Rudy Gobert. And uh, I just, I mean, I can't help but remember, you know, last year and, and uh, you know, how we had all kind of discussed um, the coronavirus and, you know, we all kind of knew that it was, you know, it, it was something that obviously nobody wanted to get, but I don't think any of it, any of us took it as seriously as, as you know, it has ended up to be. I think most of us saw it as kind of a um, more or less just, kind of another virus that you know you really don't want to get um and uh just to just to be cautious but uh it it ended up i mean again we had obviously huge plans um kind of going into this kind of time of the year i mean chris conus um this year has had to do a lot of work to kind of arrange things for the big 10 tournament and the ncaa tournaments well last year that entire process was happening and and right before we really could see anything um actually culminating anything that's when everything got shut down i mean uh, i remember being in the studio I, it was the last time i you know i had been in the studio before everything reopened um was the big 10 tournament where justin and uh, justin our old gm and jake um were in uh indiana for the uh for the big 10 tournament the men's big 10 tournament and that game got shut down and uh that was kind of when we all knew that you know, this, this was completely serious. I mean, they had already kind of told everybody to leave school and uh, it was just a weird, empty kind of feeling without sports and without really any kind of communications with people outside your immediate family and your, your immediate kind of group of people that you were living with. So um, it certainly is really interesting to reflect on that. I think it's, I think we're very lucky um, that at this point in time, things are kind of beginning to become a little bit more normal. I mean, if the worst we have to endure is wearing masks, uh, I think that you take that over anything. Um, so I think the, the vaccine as well is, is getting, um, is a really important step. And uh, yeah, I mean, we really did progress pretty quickly within a year. And, and uh, it is kind of crazy to think back on just kind of the weird beginnings of what happened with COVID. Yeah, I guess it's a full cycle of, you know, like you mentioned, how everything happened in the beginning and where we are today. Um, but listen, again, great topic. I completely agree with you, Ronnie. Great topic, Doug. Uh, sort of a reflector, it's a reflection segment instead of a can't we just talk segment. But um, hey, that's what it's all about here on WRSU and on the crew. Um, so we're going to step aside real quick. And after we come back, we'll dive into more sports. Uh, so keep it locked here on WRSU FM, New Brunswick and online at WRSU.org. Welcome back here on the WRSU crew. My name is Kayor Palan. I'm joined alongside by Doug Willig, Ronnie Walenta, Jared Bladice and Christian Vasquez back in the studios. Um, and we're going to jump right into more sports. Uh, 
we know one of the more active leagues right now is the NBA approaching their halfway point of the COVID restart uh, for this season. And approaching in the halfway point, like I said, comes with it the all-star break. Uh, and a couple of days ago, we had the NBA 2021 all-star teams released and there's already being changes made. Um, while I try to uh, get a full list of the NBA teams, we do know that we had originally Team LeBron and Team Durant, but Kevin Durant is now going to be replaced by Dante Sabanis because Kevin Durant is still dealing with an ham- a, a hamstring injury. Um, but the rest of the team is going to be uh, stacked on the western side. We have uh, one second. I'm just trying to pull it up. One second, one more second. I'm just going to keep buying some time. Oh my goodness, I just keep getting different. So it says there is, I'm just going to read off the, it says 14 reserves that we have that are headlined by Anthony Davis, Paul George, Rudy Gobert, Damian Lillard, who is going to be replacing um, somebody else as well. Donovan Mitchell is involved. Chris Paul is in there, Zion Williamson, Jalen Brown, James Harden, Zach Levine, Julius Randle from the Knicks getting a nod from a local team. Uh, We have Ben Simmons, Jason Tatum, and Nikola Vucevic, who are the reserves. And the all-star rosters themselves compete of Team Durant, which initially uh, had Durant as the captain. We had Giannis, Bradley Beal, Joel Embiid, and Kyrie Irving. Um, on the eastern side, and then on the western side, we had LeBron James, Steph Curry, Luka Doncic, Nikola Jokic, and Kawhi Leonard starting off. But guys, in terms of just the initial picks for the All-Star game, who would you guys think got snubbed, who deserved it, and what are just your initial thoughts in the All-Star squad picks? I guess I'll start us off. We got we got Jason Tatum is replacing Kevin Durant as the Eastern Conference starter as of a couple minutes ago, so that's good news for the youngster Tatum. But I think my two biggest snubs were Devin Booker and DeMontis Sabonis, who both ended up getting in due to injury. So that was nice to see. But some other snubs that I think, DeMar DeRozan maybe. Spurs have been playing great this year. DeRozan's been leading a very young squad, so I thought maybe he would get the nod. But I'm not... A, disappointed he didn't get it like I was Devin Booker and then also in the West I thought that Mike Conley was going to get a selection just because the Jazz are playing so well and because that Mike Conley is known as the greatest player to never make the all-star game so I thought that the coaches and the voters would have been a little more lenient to Conley he's having one of the best seasons of his career the guy should 100% have an all-star game and I really thought this would be the year but I guess not. And in the East, like I said, Sabonis, I felt, was a big snub because the Pacers have been a top four, five team in the East. So a team that's playing that well clearly has all-star level talent. So they obviously should have gotten a player, which I'm glad that Sabonis got the nod. And some other players that people have been saying were snubbed. 
I'd say maybe Trey Young, just because Trey Young is a stat patter, but sometimes those stat patters get into the All Star game just because they're playing so well. But overall, I do feel like the selection was as best as there's obviously so many guys of deserving to be in the NBA All Star game. But overall, I think that the selection was pretty reasonable, and I was glad. Not glad. You're not glad that someone gets hurt, but I was glad with who the injury replacements were because I felt like those two guys were gonna end up being the biggest snubs for the All Star game. Yeah, and I think it's more those um, guys who have a a an effect on their team as a whole, but they're not recognized by the league. Um, like you mentioned, the the Pacers have been doing incredibly well and uh, most of it's because of DeMontis Sabonis and the Suns as well. And again, most of it's because of Devin Booker. Um, and I think they're, the fact that they're, you know, being brought in as a replacement, I think that kind of gives them more motivation to go out there and prove themselves. But um, like you mentioned, there's still a lot of people who are, you know, they're deserving of it in one way or another, but um, I mean, in the end, it's who's been kind of performing well, and and I think everybody who's selected is is kind of uh, known to be, you know, one of the be- one one of the better players in the NBA. Um, but Doug, how about you? What did you have as your takes on uh, the All Star squad? So personally, with the original. Uh, like list, you know, before injury replacements, I was okay with it, and I saw complaining, you know, like on Twitter, you know, elsewhere, saying, you know, oh, Devin Booker got snubbed. Devin Booker got snubbed. I even saw like LeBron tweeted, Devin Booker is the most disrespected player in the league. But like the thing is, like if you're gonna make a statement, like you have to say like who you want off the team, and I don't know who you would have, who you could have taken off that team for Devin Booker. I mean, like, Zion Williamson, maybe. But, like, Zion Williamson's also been incredible this year. You know, 20 points, over 60% shooting. It's completely unstoppable in the paint. So, I don't know if you take him off. I mean, Chris Paul, maybe. But Chris Paul and Devin Booker are leading, you know, that Suns team. You know, obviously, Booker scores more points per game. Chris Paul leads in the other floor category, other box score categories. You know, he's a floor general. So I didn't feel like, I mean, obviously Booker's good, but everyone else on that Western Conference team is also good. So they're, like, if you're going to say he got snubbed, then you have to say who you want off that team then. And now he's in as an injury replacement. So, like, that's all good. And this is just, like, a little rant, I guess. But I don't like, like, people got snubbed, and then they don't say who they want off the team. Like, there's five starters, there's seven reserves, like, there's 12 players that make the team. If you're going to say someone got snubbed, then you got to say who you think shouldn't have made the team. And I think for expanding all-star rosters, you want to make it 13, 14, 15, 16 players a conference. You know, that might make sense, but for now, it's 12. So only 12 players can make it. Yeah, you bring up a great point, Doug. I, in order to call someone a snub, you got to think who you would take off and obviously all these guys are so good that it really is so hard to pick someone that you would want to pull off the all-star game because everyone who gets in is clearly deserving but that's why I think that the all-star game should be expanded by a spot or two just because there are just so many all-star level talent deserving players that I just feel like more players deserve recognition for how they're playing and how their teams are playing and 
the All-Star game is just such... The the NBA has grown in talent level in the past couple decades that now there's just so many All-Star level talented players that I feel like there could be some more players deserving of the All-Star nod. But that's just that's just my opinion. I just think that there's just so much talent that I feel like players feel disrespected because they feel like they're having an all-star level season, which they probably are, but they don't get the recognition they deserve because there's a line. They have to, There's a cutoff point for the all-stars because you can't just let everyone in. But expanding the teams by a couple wouldn't be the end of the world just because players want that recognition and good teams deserve to have players recognized. So that's just my take on it. Yeah, I completely agree with that in terms of, you know, listen, if the fans recognize it, the the there's so, there's something that's got to be done, right? I, I mean, there's not only, uh, you know, however many spots they have currently, there's not only that many spots that are, you know, having a good season. I mean, if you look around the league, there's still a lot of people, a lot of people who are, you know, trying their hardest to kind of go out there and prove themselves that, hey, listen, I am not only, you know, willing to do whatever it takes for my team to win, but they're putting up the numbers for it. And, um, you know, even if even if it's just a fan base situation where the fans think they deserve it, like, we know, like you mentioned, Jared, the players want, them, want the recognition themselves too. So there's got to be something done in terms of... Um, you know, just allowing an opportunity, at least, for for uh, other players who don't get recognition right away to kind of prove themselves and listen, hey, let me get a shot at being a part of the All-Star squad. Um, and then in terms of, I guess, who surprised you or, you know, who you're kind of happy with getting in, um, I know for me, at least, I think Julius Randle deserved it more than anyone this year to get into uh you know, getting picked as an all-star. Uh, he's been doing a lot for the New York Knicks who have been having a, uh, you know, a season that no, I would say no Knicks fan kind of expected and they dreamed of it probably, but they didn't expect it. Uh, so in my, in my, for my pick of, uh, I guess, the underdog or, or the all-star, what is it? Not, I'm trying to think of the right word, but I guess the, the deserved all-star uh, would be Julius Randle. How about you guys? Who do you guys think kind of deserved the nod? And um, who are you guys kind of looking forward to seeing play in the game? Yeah, Kiara, I really like the Julius Randle pick because I look at it as he's a guy who's he's carrying his team. So he deserved... There are so many players in the league who are carrying their team. And Julius Randle has the Knicks in playoff position. And who would have thought at the beginning of this season that... Julius Randle would be leading the Knicks into playoff position, which definitely props to him and 100% deserves the all-star nod. I do like that pick, but I can't pick the same one. So I'm going to take, I'm going to take DeMontis Sabonis. I'm glad he got in just for the same reasoning as I had for Julius Randle, that he's carrying a solid team into the playoffs and a team that is in playoff contention has all-star level talented players. So they deserve the recognition so I'm glad Sabonis got in. The Pacers are playing great basketball. Sabonis is playing great basketball. So I definitely feel that he's more than deserving of getting in as an all-star.
Doug, what about you? Um, other than Julius Randle and Sabonis, who do you think kind of deserved it? Um, and are, who, who are you kind of looking out for, for in the All-Star game? Yeah, sorry, Kerry. You actually were cutting out a little bit for me when you asked that question, but I think you were asked who I'm looking for in the All-Star game. So I'm just, I think it's going to be interesting this year, the format. Um, you know, with the dunk contest at halftime, I heard Obi Toppin is going to be in the dunk contest. That's interesting. I, I don't know who I'm looking out for. Like, it's an expedition expedition game. Not everyone's trying. I don't know. I'm just kind of excited. I know with the COVID and stuff, there's not going to be fans. Or maybe they're, they said limited. And I know some players aren't super into it this year. They said they play the All-Star game. But I'm just hoping it's excited. exciting. I know last year they did the format where they're playing to a total as opposed to against the clock, and that made it really intense at the end. So I'm just excited to see how it goes out again. Yeah, Doug. Let me. I'll ask one more question about the All-Star Game. Let's get your picks for the NBA All-Star Game Kobe Bryant MVP award. So, K.R., who do you, you think is going to get that award? Ooh, that's a good question. Hmm. You know, I can be a frontrunner or, or, you know, play the favoritism card again and say Luca might win it. But to be honest, I do see Bradley Beal going out there and, and having a really good game. Um, I, I don't know why people still don't respect this guy. I mean, he's doing everything he can uh, to make the Wizards show up on the radar. But um, I think Bradley Beal winning it would, you know, give him the deserved respect and kind of show the world what, um, you know, what Bradley Beal can do. Uh, but, yeah, that'll be my pick for the Kobe Bryant MVP award. What about you, Doug? The MVP award, I'm going to say Nikola Jokic. I think he is going to drop, like, I don't know how many points, but a lot. I think Jokic can win the, Jokic can win the, the MVP award. For me, I think... I'm going to go with Julius Randle just because I think that he's going to be... Because some players like LeBron, Giannis might not be trying their hardest, but I know that Julius Randle is going to come out there and give it his all. So if he gives it his all, maybe he could score 20-ish points. Maybe be a surprise for that All-Star Game award because the winner of the All-Star Game MVP award is normally the guy who gives the most effort because some guys just slack off and just fool around so if he tries and tries like he normally plays i think that he can get the mvp nod yeah and it'll be interesting i still think you know players like zach levine like if they go out there and play like i wouldn't be surprised if they're considered to um you know for that mvp award again i feel like most of the times those awards end up being like you know, one of the starters, one of the favorites, because, um, you know, just they just get more playing time and they're allowed to kind of um, go out there and, and have fun while they're playing. So, uh, but like you guys mentioned, I couldn't echo more. I think it's going to be a fun all-star game, um, obviously under different circumstances than what most people might have thought of any other all-star game being. But um, I'm sure all of us are going to be watching and, uh Hopefully, whoever's listening will probably tune into the NBA All-Star Game as well. Uh, but we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with some more sports talk right after this break. So keep it locked to WRSU-FM New Brunswick and online at WRSU.org.
Welcome back to the Friday Crew. We're approaching the last half hour here on the crew. Um, my name is Kara Polan. I'm joined alongside by Ronnie Walenta, Doug Willig, Jared Bladice, and Christian Vasquez back in the studio. Um, and, you know, we were talking about the NBA before the break, but another league that is kind of uh, starting to heat up as it gets closer to opening day is the MLB. Um, Jared, I know you were kind of interested in diving into the MLB a little bit with Ronnie, but just want to get your initial thoughts on you guys kind of, what are you looking at for the season? What are you excited about? And and just the news around uh, the MLB. Yeah, I'm just super excited for the season to happen. Unlike most sports, they had a decently normal season based on amount of games played during COVID. Baseball obviously had that 60-game season. So I'm really looking forward to that full 162-game slate starting up on April 1st. Should be should be fun to watch. I know I'm a big Mets fan. Ronnie's a big Yankees fan. So we got some we got some exciting New York teams to look forward to. And Ronnie, just want to get your thoughts on what you think is going to happen with the season starting in almost a month. Yeah, I mean, as you mentioned, Jared, I mean, last year, um, again, 60 games. Um, it, it was, again, as you mentioned, kind of one of the more normal seasons, um, even though there were no fans and it was shortened. But, of course, in baseball, we all know it's it's more of a marathon than it is a sprint this season. Um, it's all about how you can keep up over a 162-game schedule. And uh, I think – you're going to have a lot of different results due to that um, this year. I think a lot of times last year, you if you were a player that got really hot for a certain part of the season, um, you were you were legitimately in the MVP conversation. Like Jose Abreu for the White Sox, I mean, he had an unbelievable stretch, but maybe over 162 games, he wouldn't be able to sustain that kind of level of production. So I think for me, I'm looking forward to kind of getting back to that um, kind of steady – game pace where you have to um, go in there night in night out for 162 games and uh, it's not going to be based on just a really good stretch it's going to be based on what you can do in the long run and and I think both of our teams I think the Mets and the Yankees both kind of stack up well across that I think both have added a lot of depth um, and I think both are in prime position right now to make the playoffs and and to go far um, this year. Yeah, that's going to be the—I think the story of this season is truly going to be depth because you had starting pitchers who threw maybe 60 innings last year. Now you're going to have—now you're going to be asking guys to throw over 200 innings. So we're going to be expecting tons of injuries to happen, and it's just going to be what teams can sustain those injuries. It's kind of like with the NBA with COVID right now. Like, if a player gets—if a team loses a lot of players to COVID, it's can they sustain that? That's going to be the whole MLB season is— going to be these guys barely played in the last year can they sustain their bodies for this whole 162 game marathon which which will be very difficult I'm sure there are guys whose bodies are like temples like Mike Trout who probably won't get hurt but there are some pitchers that these guys are going to be asked to do so much more work than they have in the last year that you're going to have to have depth because like you said this this is this is going to be a marathon and you're going to have to have pieces in case guys go down oh without a doubt and and i mean it, baseball for me is unlike a lot of other sports where 
Um, I mean, you mentioned Mike Trout. I mean, Mike Trout is easily the best player in baseball. I don't think anybody's arguing that. Um, MLB Network doesn't argue that. And uh, no fan out there that knows baseball would argue that Mike Trout isn't the most talented player out there. But, I mean, Mike Trout had some had some uh had some quotes the other day where he said he had a bad year last year when he batted what 281 with I mean he came fourth in MVP voting and he said he had a bad year. I mean that's how unbelievable Mike Trout is but as I was saying like baseball is so unique in that you can have a star player like Mike Trout and not make the playoffs even in a shortened season with expanded playoff format um like they did last year. Um the Angels didn't make the playoffs and and it's because of their depth. They have Mike Trout. They have, um, you know, a few good players other than him. You know, Justin Upton, Simmons was there. Uh, David Fletcher really came to his own. But, I mean, sometimes the pitching wasn't there for the Angels. So you kind of have to be very loaded in every aspect of, of the of the team, basically. Pitching, batting, you know, you have to have guys that can hit in the outfield, guys that can hit, uh, you know, in the infield, and uh, good bullpen arms and everything. So I think, I mean, depth is obviously, I think, in, in – in baseball more than any other sport is extremely, extremely important. And as you mentioned, over 162 games, it's going to be interesting to see how that, that shortened season last year, you know, maybe there's a possibility that because there's not as much wear and tear on the elbows and the arms of pitchers, maybe, maybe they do better this year. Um, but I, I agree with you that there is also that possibility that later on in the season, players' bodies might just break down because they're not used to that full kind of, uh, season that they're, you know, they're creatures of habits, especially, uh, especially pitchers. I mean, it's all about um, going out there every day and knowing, you know, what your body can do and, and kind of judging um, success based on past experiences. So I think the, the whole thing with baseball is it's going to be really weird to go back to a regular season after that last season, but I think it's going to be refreshing for a lot of players. And you just hope that most players, it doesn't take a toll on them in a negative way, but instead helps them um, continue to develop positively. Yeah, Ronnie, we've seen the whole idea you're talking about with the individual players like Mike Trout. Baseball truly is so special that you need you need nine nine very good players on the field and a great pitching staff to win. You can't just have Mike Trout go out there every day and put up MVP numbers and expect to make the playoffs because if Mike Trout's putting up MVP numbers and no one else is doing anything, they're not going to make the playoffs, which is what we've seen in the last couple years. You need superstars, but plus the depth, plus good pitching staffs, which makes baseball so unique because compared to other sports, like in the NBA, if you have LeBron James, you're making the playoffs. Mike Trout's the LeBron James of baseball, but that doesn't mean anything. Mike Trout puts up the individual stats, but his team just cannot get him to the playoffs, which just shows how uniquely the fact about how important having a well-balanced team truly is in baseball. And just to switch gears a little bit with the MLB, we'll stay on this topic, but Ronnie, what are your um, predictions for the end of the season? Maybe who's going to win the World Series and maybe the NL and AL MVPs? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. I was actually about to ask you the same thing. I mean, I, I wanted to start with division winners and I want to you know get your take on this as well I let's mean, do it uh, obviously I mean what well, we could just go down the six divisions um, I mean in the AL I again I mentioned I think the NL is the better um, the better league this year but in the AL um, in the in the L East I, I have to stick with the Yankees I think over the 
last part of um, last season, the Tampa Bay Rays, don't get me wrong, were a brilliant team. Um, but I don't think that the Rays would have been able to keep up what they were doing over 162 games. I just don't think that they had the talent um, in comparison with the Yankees um, to have beaten them out in the division race. Now, I think the, the Rays certainly could have gotten a wild card. I think they would have. But um, I like the Yankees this year. And the only other team other than the Rays that scares me at all in that division is, is the Toronto Blue Jays, who are who are desperate to make the playoffs because they have they've officially gone into a championship window with their, with their young core. Um, and then for the AL central, um, I think the Indians got a 10 times worse. I don't think anybody's really going to pick them to, to win that division this year. I, I like the twins. Um, but I don't think they added a ton either. I think the team that really, really did well in the off season, I think they made great strides last year are the Chicago white Sox. I think that team is finally ready to go. Um, they made the playoffs last year and uh, were, I, I think, one of the scarier teams in the playoffs. So I, I like that team. I like, obviously, I think Jose Abreu is unbelievable. Um, Tim Anderson just manages to get the bat on the ball more often than not. And I think that uh, Giolito leads that pitching staff. And, and they added Lance Lynn. They added Liam Hendricks. They, they added a lot of guys as well. And then uh, the AL West um, is kind of one of the more wider open divisions for me. I think, I think the A's are the better team. Uh, the best team in that division. I think a lot of people still look at the Astros as a contender. Um, maybe I'm cynical about the Astros, but I think that they are getting older. I think um, Justin Verlander doesn't necessarily have as much as maybe he would have um, after an injury uh, that he sustained last year. Zach Granke is still great, but I, I just don't think they have the depth that um, you need to go uh, to need, need to have over 162 games. So I like the A's. Um, in that division, and uh, what are your thoughts for the AL? I liked all those picks. I do like the Yankees. I definitely think that the Blue Jays are going to give the Yankees a run for their money, but I do think the Yankees will come out on top. Blue Jays, I definitely think, will end up with a wild card spot. The team is just too talented to not make the playoffs, especially now with the addition of George Springer. The AL Central, personally, I agree with the White Sox. I think they're going to run away with the division. The bottom half of this division is really weak. The Tigers and the Royals are bad. Cleveland got a lot worse. I do think they're going to be bad as well. The Twins did keep the same, most of the same core they had. So I think the Twins can make some noise, but I do think the White Sox will come out with this division. Maybe Twins will end up making the wild card, but we'll see. And in the AL West, I'm going to go against all the statements I made previously about Mike Trout not being able to carry his team. I think that the Angels are going to finally make the playoffs this year. I just think that Trout and Rendon and Fletcher, they just have they have a lot of good bats that I think will end up taking them to the playoffs. The pitching has been an issue, but I just think that this is the year. The division's like not great, like kind of like the AL Central, like we've been saying the entire AL is weak. Houston's not great. Texas isn't great either. Seattle's young, but they're years away from being contending. So that really only leaves the Angels and the Athletics. And the Athletics are a good team. You know, they're one of the more analytical teams in baseball. So I think the Athletics can make a run for the division, but I would not be shocked if the Angels are able to come out on top in the weak AL West this year. Yeah, I like that pick. I, I think if the Angels can get some consistent pitching, I mean, I think um, Shohei Otani is obviously a huge part of, of that team if they're going to make the playoffs. I think 
Dylan Bundy um, kind of breaking out with the Angels, the former uh, Baltimore Oriole first-round pick, um, was big last year. So I think they did – they do have some guys that, if they pitch well enough, I think could make – could could help them make some noise, um, as you have mentioned. Um, and then for the NL, I mean, obviously I know – I'm pretty sure I know who you're picking for the NL East. Um, look, I looked at all the teams. I think the NL East is – easily the deepest division um i think the only team that i don't see really making the playoffs there is is the uh is the miami marlins i think all the other four teams could conceivably be in the playoffs um even though the marlins made it last year and nobody thought they would so um i i i think personally um that the atlanta braves are still going to win the division i think the mets will absolutely make a playoff spot um i just i don't i feel like they're still kind of need they still kind of need to build that team um, and, and I think they can make noise in the playoffs. I think they're probably um, better equipped for the playoffs, maybe even than the Braves. But um, And then the Phillies and, and the Nationals. The Nationals got better with Josh Bell and, and adding Kyle Schwarber. And they still have three ridiculously good arms at the front end of their, their rotation with uh, Scherzer, uh, Strasburg, and Corbin. So I think that's a really dangerous team as well. And then obviously the Phillies have a lot of talent. So I think that's the deepest division in baseball. I think the Braves will win it. I think the Mets will make the wild card spot. Um, in the Central, obviously, the Cardinals added Arenado. I don't think anybody else really made any key acquisitions. The Brewers still have a chance to make it if Yelich bounces back, which I think he will. He kind of had a rough short season last year. Uh, the Pirates are very bad. Um, the Reds lost Trevor Bauer. I think they still have a solid team, but I don't really see them overcoming the Cardinals. And uh, the Cubs got much younger. They lost a lot of pieces. They still have Brian and and uh, and Rizzo, but and, and Javier Baez, but they did lose a lot of key uh, pieces to that team, especially on the pitching side of it. So I like the Cardinals in the Central, and I think the rest of the teams probably missed the playoffs. And then in the West, I mean, you talk about probably the two best teams um, in a division. It's it's the it's the Dodgers and the the San Diego Padres. I mean. The Padres added so much. They were a bullpen team last year. Now that starting rotation is probably one of the best in baseball. And uh, the Dodgers won the World Series last year. So And, and they only added Trevor Bauer. So I think both of those teams are going to be really competing for that um, that AL or NL West crown. And I think the Dodgers will win it. The Padres will absolutely make the playoffs. And I think um, they have a legitimate shot as as any to make the, uh, to make the World Series and win it as well, um, just with the uh, the core they have with Tatis and, and everybody. So um, I like the Dodgers winning that division, but the Padres um, making the wild card. And I think wild card game against uh, the Padres against the Mets, that's going to be an, uh, an exceptionally good game um, when it happens, I believe. All right, Ronnie. I think you knew I was going to go against you here in the NL East, but I'm going to have to go with my favorites, the New York Mets. Kior was saying this earlier. We've been playing a lot of favorites on the show tonight, but I got to keep going with the favorites. I do think the Mets are going to win the NL East. I do think they have the depth. They have the talent. They especially have the pitching talent. Jacob DeGrom, the best pitcher in baseball. I do think the Mets will make some noise in that division. The Braves are going to be very good, so I will put them down as a wild card spot. And then moving into the NL Central, I'm going to have to agree with you on this one. The Cardinals are the only team that made a real move here. Arenado is an incredible move, so they should 100% win that division. The rest of the division is very weak. I think the Cubs will be all right. Like you said, they got younger. 
But I do think they're going to be sellers at the deadline. Chris Bryant's on in last year of his contract. Maybe dump him for some younger guys to a, con- to a real contender. So I definitely see the Cardinals coming away with the NL Central because of the acquisition of Arenado. And then the NL West, Dodgers, Padres, we know one of them's going to win the division. One of them's going to win the wild, is going to make the wild card. I guess I'll agree with you on this one. I'll take the Dodgers to win the division. The addition of Trevor Bauer clearly makes them a dominant force and a potential team to go back-to-back with the title. And the Padres will make the wild card, but they will as well make some noise in the playoffs because, as you said, those probably are the two best teams in baseball. All right, and then looking ahead to the playoffs, you asked this earlier, obviously, looking at the World Series and the AL and NL MVPs. Um, and, you know, obviously I want your take on this as well. I think the World Series matchup, um, personally, and look, I don't even think this is playing favorites. I I absolutely believe that the Yankees are the best team in the AL, and I think they have the easiest road to the World Series um, out of anyone. So I think they're the deepest team in the AL. I think they make the World Series for the first time since 2009. And of course, I'm hopeful of that. Um, and then in the NL, it's tough because I, I would love to see a Subway Series, World Series. Um, I just think that, that, that those, I mean, the, the NL is just so deep that I could see the Dodgers, the Padres, the Mets, um, even the Cardinals or the Braves getting there. I think those five teams are legitimate World Series contenders. Um, I think that the Padres get to the World Series. I think they lose to the Yankees because they're a little bit younger. Um, I think they will win World Series, um, multiple ones with that core um, in the coming years. But I think that it's going to be the Yankees and the Padres, the Yankees winning it. winning it. And I think, I mean, the surest bet for AL MVP has always been Mike Trout. For NL MVP, um, I like either Acuna or Tatis. Um, and I think... The team that is better, which I think record-wise will still be the Padres, that player will get the MVP. So I like Fernando Tatis after that big contract to get a huge uh, season going, and I like him to win the NL MVP. I like those were I like the calls for the AL. I hate to pick the Yankees, so I'm not going to. I'm gonna go with the. White Sox, I think they've taken a big leap. And I think that they have, like you said, the AL is very weak. So I think that that's a team that can catch fire around October. And the momentum that they've gotten, that they've acquired, can carry them into the World Series. I don't think they're going to win it because I think the NL is just a lot better. But I definitely think the White Sox will challenge the Yankees because the path is just... There really aren't that many teams to go through in the AL. And then in the NL... I hate to not choose the Mets. I really do think they have a good shot at making the World Series, but the Dodgers are on top right now. So until the Dodgers prove that they're not the best team in baseball, I can't not pick them. So it makes me disappointed to say, but I do think the Dodgers are going to make the World Series again, and I do sadly think that they're going to go back-to-back. And my picks for MVP, like you said, in the AL... Uh, Mike Trout's going to be up there, so I'm going to have to pick. I'm going to have to give Mike Trout very good consideration for it, but I do think that Mike Trout's teammate, Anthony Rendon, will have a very good chance at winning the MVP as well. I do think he's going to win the MVP just because of the 
presence of Mike Trout in the lineup, I think, will make Rendon that better. And I think they'll have very similar stats, but Mike Trout hasn't been able to make the playoffs by himself in forever. So if Rendon has an incredible year and brings the Angels to the playoffs, I do think that Rendon will end up getting the MVP not in the AL. And then in the National League, I do think that the Mets are going to be very, very good. So I'm going to pick something that hasn't happened in the MLB in years. I'm going to say Jacob deGrom wins MVP. I think he's going to have an incredible, incredible season, similarly to like the Kershaw-Verlander MVP seasons. So if deGrom has that that great of a season and the Mets are that good, I do think that he has a very good chance of becoming the first pitcher in years to win the MVP award. And with that, we're going to go to a quick break, and we'll have rapid fire coming up for the last couple minutes on WRSU FM New Brunswick, or you can listen online at WRSU.org. All right, guys, quick break, and we're back on for rapid fire. So, K.O., you want to start us off for some rapid fire for the last couple minutes? Yeah, I mean, I didn't have any topics pulled up, uh, but listen, I'll just dive right into this. There you uh, go. Let me see. Now, pull it right up. Okay. Oh, we didn't get to talk about this at all, but what did you guys think of uh, Tiger Woods? He was recently transferred to the Cedars Cedars. Sinea Hospital in Los Angeles, uh, and he was given a uh, post-op report of a shattered ankle and a broken left leg, I believe, or right leg. Uh, but just initial thoughts on what had happened. I mean, thank goodness he's he's all right and stable. I mean it's extremely sad to see something like that happen. I mean, the condition of his car was, was extremely, extremely scary. I mean, um, just the whole situation was, was scary. So um glad that the injuries weren't, uh, didn't prove to be life threatening um, and glad that he went into surgery and it, it seems like things went all right. So um, prayers for tiger and, uh, and I'm happy that he's all right in, in the long run and that he'll be all right. Yeah. It goes back to the, uh, topic we had last week of you know legends living in our era um but we're gonna go back to a little bit of basketball um so at 302 today the toronto raptors is pascal siakam and uh coach nick nurse as well as five assistant coaches were out for today's game due to covid protocols um the raptors are taking on the houston rockets so um just i guess insight on how the league is dealing with COVID protocols, and how do you guys think, um, I guess, this will impact the Raptors in Houston game tonight? I'm just glad that this didn't require a team shutdown. We are close to the All-Star break, so it probably wouldn't have been the end of the world for a team shutdown. But at least, I'm just hoping the NBA can get to the All-Star break with all the rest of the games being played, no more hiccups. We've gotten a little issue with the Spurs right now with a little COVID outbreak, but... The first half of the season has been pretty successful, so hopefully they're in the home stretch, like a week left, week or two. So hopefully teams can just stay healthy, stay COVID-free, and finish up the first half of the season. 
Yep. And uh, like you mentioned, hopefully everything stays well in the NBA. Um, and I guess the last topic I wanted to discuss was, um, I don't know if you guys had heard, but Zlatan Ibrahimovic, who is a well-known soccer player around the world, and he did play for the LA Galaxy here before going back to Europe, um, kind of got into an... Uh, or he gave LeBron James kind of a nudge on LeBron's um, activism efforts and kind of said to stay out of it, stay out of politics. Um, and I don't know about you guys, but I don't know how I feel about this. If celebrities have just as much influence as, um, I mean, if athletes have just as much influence as celebrities in speaking up, um, why not use their platform to kind of uh, do things the right way? Uh, whether it be political or not, um, you're doing it for a good cause, in my opinion. And um, LeBron James is, you know, we all know he's been doing it for a good cause. But uh, I guess just your one sentence take on uh, this, I guess, bickering back and forth between Zlatan and LeBron. I mean, Zlatan can say whatever he says, but LeBron's still gonna LeBron's still gonna do LeBron. So I don't think it has much of an impact, but it is. You don't like seeing star players of sports going at each other like this, but I don't think it's going to be a big issue. LeBron's still going to do his thing, and that's that's just what he does, so I don't see much of an issue with it. Fair enough, and um, yeah, I think LeBron's going to do LeBron, and that's a good way to end the Friday crew. Uh, thanks for joining us here on another edition of The Crew. Um, and stay tuned to WRSU for further entertainment and keep it locked to WRSU FM New Brunswick and online at WRSU.org.